Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Well, there was an engineer. This engineer had retired from a large company. He was later called back to help with a problem with a key piece of equipment. He came back and he walked through the factory and after about 15 minutes, he drew a sketch. The sketch resembled the equipment and then he drew an X at the bottom and he wrote, fix this. He left and then sent the company a bill for $10,000 for services rendered. The man who received the bill was outraged. 15 minutes for $10,000, so he sent the bill back to the engineer and said, please itemize. The engineer returned the bill, itemized this way. For inspecting the equipment and drawing an X, $1. For knowing where to place the X, $9,999. Well, but I don't have to tell you, but America has a huge problem. The American church has a huge problem. First Baptist Church has a huge problem. See, I believe this morning that the engineer of God the Holy Spirit has been walking around. And He's drawn us a sketch and He's put an X and He simply says, fix this. The question that maybe you're asking at this point is, is where's the X? So really what is the biggest problem facing our nation or really our church. Gallup polling industry surveys, and they do polls every single month, and I happened to look them up this week. They, they do polls of what people think are the world's biggest problems. It's interesting that the number one thing stays number one forever how many years you can go back and look at it. But just recently, they did a poll, and I'm just going to give you the top seven world problems, but specifically American problems. Number seven, they say, is health care. Number six, they say, is unemployment. Number five, they say, is the coronavirus. Four, immigration. Three, the economy. Number two, race relations. The one that always stays at the top is dissatisfaction with the government. I'm here today to tell you, no matter what people's opinions are or where you get the info, here's the truth. None of those are the biggest problem for America. And none of those are the biggest problem for the church. Here's what I really believe we aren't really best suited to figure out our biggest problem. 
Our God sits on his throne and he rules over the nations, thus he's the only one who could really tell us what our problem is. Said differently, for the nations and for individuals, none of the problems we say we have can be solved until we finally admit that what God says is the problem is the problem. Again, I believe that the Holy Spirit of God has been through our body. I believe that the Holy Spirit of God is making his way through the United States of America. And he's drawn a very clear picture and he's labeled an X and he's been saying, fix this. So you may ask again, what is the biggest problem? Well, it doesn't matter what we think. I have to tell you this morning, God has already revealed it to us. Through the Holy Spirit, he's taken... His pencil, and he's sketched it out for us in Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, and then in chapter 25, we're going to see what God says is our biggest problem, and then how to fix it. I wonder if you would stand with me as we read God's word from Jeremiah chapter 2. Beginning of verse 11, God says this. Has a nation changed God? When there were no gods. From my People have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this, and shudder. Be very desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me the fountain of living waters to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Would you pray with me? God, would you just show me where that X is in my life? God, would you reveal to all of us in this room where we may have forsaken you? And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, Jeremiah is writing here about 500 years before Jesus, and he wrote to the people of Judah, which made up the southern kingdom. They had been more godly than the north, but now they too had strength strong, very far away from God, and our text this morning really is a picture of a courtroom scene. God himself is bringing his people into court, and he's prosecuting them for crimes against him. He identifies several crimes they have committed, and through and in this message today, I want to remind you that not only does God see the problem, he shows us the problem, he also can solve the problem. 
Here's the first thing that God says. He says, we have forsaken the Savior. He says there in verse 11, he says, has a nation changed gods when there were no gods? My people have changed their glory for that which doesn't profit, but that may not make sense to you until you back up and look at verse 10. See, when you look at verse 10, God says, cross the coastlands of the Katim and see. And send to Kedar and observe closely and see if there's ever been such a thing as this. God says, hey, I want you to travel around. I want you to look at the surrounding nations. I want you just to look and see if any of the pagan nations would forsake their own gods. And the answer is no. This has never happened. Pagan nations will not turn from their false gods to other gods. That's something that that pagans don't do. They just don't easily give up their gods. But yet God says, my people have. God says, pagans have more commitment and dedication to their false and fake gods than believers do to the one true living God. God says, my people, my people, my people have forsaken me. God says, they've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. This is the very first problem. It's not just a neutral problem, though, folks. It's not just a small problem. It says it's a problem that we can get to later. God says, my people have committed two evils. Let, let that just sit with you for a second. What we're talking about this morning, listen to me, is not just a matter of interpretation. It is evil. God says we have forsaken Him, the Savior. That word forsaken, listen very carefully. That word forsaken means to abandon or leave behind. It was used of untying an animal, of taking it out somewhere and just letting it go. It was used of someone when they said, we don't want you or we don't need you anymore, animal, so we're just going to take you out and just let you go. God says, my people have just taken me. They don't need me, they don't want me, and they've just let me go. I have no need for you, God, anymore. Jeremiah says, you you look at the pagans, even they don't do that. Yet my people have. Has America forsaken God? (laughs) Throughout the years, we've continually been walking God further and further and further out the door. And now I'm afraid we've come to the point in our nation where we've simply just let him go. You know this, we've taken him out of our schools. We're right now aggressively taking him out of our government. You go try to do something of Jesus' nature in this community and see what happens. We're forcing him out of our businesses. And now our work week, now we operate as if Sunday is just like any other day. 
Astonishingly, there was a time when our nation understood that God was our God and we trusted him. It was on the hall and still is on our government buildings. It was in our pledge. It was in our prayers at school. It's even on our money. We acknowledge that God was God and the living God was the God of the Bible alone. But today we don't want to give him glory. We don't want to give him honor. But listen to me. Here's where I'm headed today. Please listen. But before you go south on America, see, this isn't about America. This is about you and me. Oh, I believe in God. That's not what I'm asking. Has your heart forsaken God? When he's not the source and your true supply of living water, you and I have forsaken him. That begs men to pray for me for what I'm about to say. And I want you to know that my heart is not to condemn you. But I need to address something that I think the American church needs to hear. And this church needs to hear. Let's just take one small area of application of how we have forsaken God. There could be a thousand. You see, I have a membership at the gym downtown. I love to go to the gym. I think it's important. I like being there. I meet some really cool people. After I go there, I feel great. I'm really glad I went. Sometimes I often miss going. I say I don't have time, I'm too busy, I'm too tired, so I often pass it on my way to do other things that I seem to have time for. And beloved, I think that's the way some of us are about coming to church. We like it, we meet some cool people, we feel good when we come. A lot of us have way too many excuses when it comes to coming to church. We're too tired. We need a day to recover. We wake up late. Oh, we'll get it next time. Can I lovingly just tell you something? If you are too tired, too busy, or simply think that doing anything other than what God has already commanded will make you feel better on a Sunday than being in God's house, you have already started to forsake God. If you think sleeping in is going to do more for you than what God has already commanded, you are already on the slippery slope. Some even say this, well, we just need family time. This is family time. If you're too tired, 
if you're too busy, if you're too overcommitted to come to church, God says it's evil. You know why I know that? Because Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together. As is the habit of some. Let me be clear. To the extent that we have forsaken the gathering together on a weekly basis, we have forsaken God. In other words, to the extent that you have forsaken church for something else is to the extent that you have forsaken God. The Bible says in Psalm 122, 1, it says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And somebody right now is saying, well, we need to go somewhere where the preacher doesn't preach like that. You can be glad about that. But again, I told you, I, I can go to Medlin. Luke 4, 16, Jesus, when he came up to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. Psalm 69, 9 says, for zeal for your house has consumed me. John 2 says, zeal for your house will consume me. And they remember that about Jesus because he was always in the house of God. Beloved, America has a problem, but so does the church. The hope for America starts with the people of God getting back to the house of God. And this coronavirus, can I just tell you, I lovingly mean this for you who are listening online. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Some of you should be at home. There's a whole lot of you who should. And it's time for God's people to quit using excuses and get back to the house of God. Can I tell you what this really means? If you're not in God's house worshiping, You're worshiping something somewhere else. And that's why God says it's evil. Because Sunday is his day. If you're not in church and you're not taking your kids to church, you know what you're teaching them about the Sabbath? I'll leave. The first problem is we have forsaken the Savior in America. The second is, is we have formed substitutes. Can you imagine this? God says, hey, listen, I, my people have committed two evils and they've forsaken me and they've, they've done this. They've... Hew for themselves cisterns. These cisterns that are broken, these cisterns that just cannot hold any water, 
God says that they have they've hewn out for themselves. They've, they've traded in my glory for that which does not profit. Can I tell you something, church? Listen to me very closely. Your heart and my heart hates a vacuum. Your heart and my heart, it, it hates for something not to be in its place. And when we don't put God and the things of God in its proper place, your heart will turn to something else. Something else will quickly step in and fill the void that you have. If your life isn't living for the glory of God, you will, you will put something in its place very quickly. That's why God says, you've hewn out for yourselves these things and they hold no water. So when you and I forsake God, when we forsake the fountain, we immediately fill it with a substitute. God compares his people to someone who had abandoned a spring of living water. Think about it like this for me, just for a minute. I'm from the mountains of Virginia, y'all know this. And if I were to go hillbilly on y'all, man, let me just do it real quickly just for a second. It's kind of like me going up in the mountains, and in the Blue Ridge Mountains, there's these living springs of water. They are so fresh, you can drink from them. You just hold your hands, and you can just fill up on it, man. It would be like me saying, hey, guys, I know where there's fresh water. We never have to worry about it again. We don't have to pay for it. It's just provided. Let's go hang out in the mountains there and get that living water. Let's just drink up. And somebody said, well, hey. Hey, there's an outhouse. I think there's some water probably in the bottom of that thing. Let's go drink of it. Oh, that thing's broke. It don't hold any water. Well, let's try. Some of you say, man, that's just stupid. Nobody would do that. Just try it anyway. See, when you start substituting something else for God, you're going to end up dissatisfied. He says in verse 11, this isn't going to profit. In verse 13, he says it can hold no water because your heart was made to be filled and satisfied by God and anything and other then that will leave you dissatisfied. But listen to me, this is where so, there's so many problems because the heart of the problem is always a problem of the heart. And when you and I begin to forsake Jesus just in one area, even the smallest church attendance, or just in another area, maybe it's daily devotions or just reading and praying or growing together in growth groups or serving, just the simple things of God. When you and I start to slip in that area, I promise you, you put a substitute in its place. Ask me how I know this. Because some people, instead of being involved in growth groups, can't. Because their kids play in a league that has games on Sunday. Some people can't get to church on Sunday because they put something else in its place because the priority is I'll stay up all night watching the fight and I can't come to church on Sunday because I'm too tired. 
I don't mean to be rude. I just mean to try to be just for a second specific with you to show you that I know the struggles that you and I deal with. So, instead of turning to God in prayer, we turn to another glass of wine. Instead of reaching out to a friend, we reach out to the wrong kind of friend. We put something in its place and we just continue to hew out for ourselves just over and over and over. These broken sisters that God says will not hold water. What are you doing when I have already supplied everything that you need? Some people fill that, that void with sports or with just golf or just, just putting your kid in any and all kinds of activities. Some people fill it with immorality. Did you know that it's been reported that, that just one inappropriate site, one inappropriate site has over 64 million daily unique users? Compare that YouTube only has 30. 30 million unique users a day at YouTube, but one inappropriate site. And for the sake of children in the room, I think you know what I'm talking about. Some put success in God's place. They would rather just pursue money in the next house, in the next car, in the next job. Some put, put self in its place. It's just all about me. Some, some people in the church have put government in God's place. We just get the right man in the White House. If we just pass enough laws, America will come back to God again. No, that's not how this works. God says this is evil. Anything that takes us away from God is evil. It's all broken. It cannot hold the life-giving water that you and I so desperately need. So let me ask you today, where is the Holy Spirit drawing an X in your life? Where is he speaking to you about your priorities, about the things of God? Where is he calling you to say, fix this? Fix this! Where have you forsaken him? What are your substitutes? See, the problem is we've forsaken the Savior and formed substitutes, then what's the solution? We must flee sin. Jeremiah chapter 25. You see, until we see the problem that God sees and see how God sees it, there's no solution. So we have to be honest that we have been forsaking him and forming these substitutes and we have to see it as evil. It's evil and it's sin and there's only one solution to sin and that's repentance. We have to flee it. Jeremiah 25 verses 4 through 6 say this, And the Lord has sent to you all his servants, the prophets, again and again, but you have not listened nor inclined your ear to hear. saying, turn now everyone from his evil way and from the evil of your deeds and dwell in the land which the Lord your God has given you and your forefathers forever and ever and do not go after other gods to serve them and to worship them. And listen, do not provoke me to anger. 
That's just that he's had one simple message to the church over and over and over again. And you've heard it a thousand times. God said the answer is just to turn. It's a simple word to tell us what fleeing sin and what repentance really is. It's the turning from where you're headed and turning to where you need to be. Repentance is just an old-fashioned word, but listen to me. What it literally means is to change my mind that leads to a change in my heart, that leads to a change in my life. It's more than saying that I I have a problem or that I just feel bad about it. We're just going to go home and make some changes. It has to be down deep within your soul that leads to a change in your life. So how could America repent? How can she turn out? Can she flee sin? Sign it into law? No. You see, we can only lead America back to Jesus when those who claim to follow him are actually following him. As long as the church is in bed with the world, Many years ago, the London Times newspaper sent out a question to their best writers, and they asked, what's wrong with the world? They said, hey, just send your answer in, we want to publish it. And one of those who replied was G.K. Chesterton. He was a devout preacher and a devout man of God. Upon being asked what was the world's greatest problem, he quickly replied to the London Times, and here was his answer. Dear sir, I am sincerely yours, G.K. Chesterton. You want to know what's wrong with the church? Steve Brown. I guess all that God's asking you and me to do today is to stop doing this. Stop hewing out our own sisters. As they hold no water. Just turn back to the fountain of living water. Jeremy, I wonder if you guys would come. For invitation this morning, I want to do something just a little different. As these guys begin to play and sing, I will ask you to do whatever you feel that you need to do. 
I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to remain seated. I'm just going to ask you, would you humbly go before our God? And would you truly with all your heart ask him, God, where is the X in my life? Where have I forsaken you? I mean, is it in your family? Is God truly being honored in your home? Maybe today it's in your marriage. Are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church? Or are you submitting to your husband as Christ is to the Lord? Or maybe it's in your singleness. Are you trying to live for Christ? Is it about what you're allowing to be put into your mind? What you're setting your eyes on? Are you compromising your values and putting other things ahead of God in his house? Is Tom and his word? Have you become just insensitive to sin? It's not a big deal anymore. wonder if you would go to God with me and just say, God, where, where have I forsaken you? Reveal your ex to me. And as the Lord God reveals that to you, my challenge, my prayer, my plea for you is then just run as far from it as you possibly can. And come back to the fountain of living water. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit of God, would you in your gentle, tender way speak to our hearts right now about what it is that you're revealing and would you lead us back to Jesus and I pray it in Jesus name Amen We'll be down front